Welcome to the Welding Business Network Podcast, where podcasts are late, but our bids are on time. I'm your host, Kevin, with JMW Fabrication. Today, we've got a brand new episode series with Dan from Dan's Welding and Fab. I think a lot of you guys who are looking to break out or just started out are really going to relate to Dan's story because he's kind of new to the whole welding business journey. He's only been on his own for a couple years and he's still learning the ropes, but we get into everything about how he got to where he's at, the schooling he went through, and all the ups and downs of starting out in this business. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. You can check him out on Instagram at Dan's underscore welding underscore and underscore fab. You can find me at JMW Fabrication. You can find the podcast at Welding Business Owners Podcast. And without further ado, here's episode one with Dan from Dan's Welding Fab. I'm the guy on the other end of these these podcasts, like just writing stuff down and like taking like taking things. I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I got to do this, or like, okay, this is where I need to look for customers, or making sure that you know. So, like, as far as like the skill of welding, like that's not the problem. Like the yeah. The issue is, and and that's not to say you know oh I'm like some top tier you know best welder out there I'm I'm not but you know I, I I've I've done a lot or I've been in a lot of places and uh, I've had a lot of really cool jobs uh, in the sense that just very diverse. That's one thing I always wanted was you know to have this diversity, and almost in regards to welding, never have to rely on somebody else to weld something for me. Like that just felt like the most, like maybe it was pride. I don't know, but it was just like degrading, like (laughs) having to ask somebody else to do something for me. I was like, no, I can't. (laughs) It's like calling a plumber to like unclog your toilet. Like any self-respecting man should know how to like fix a toilet. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that that's kind of me uh i guess some of like some of the only things like i've never welded were like some of the super crazy um alloys in like pipe like hastaloy monel um in canal that kind of stuff but as far as like everything else like tig mig stick um you know i've i've done a fair amount of stuff like the more more common things you see um you know tig and mig aluminum spool gun push pull uh you know Tiggin stainless titanium, whatever steel, pipe tubing, sanitary stainless. I mean, all sorts of you know, um, building exhaust systems, chromoly, just all of it. You know. Let's talk about your welding journey and how you started out. Like where you where you got started welding. Tell me your jump off point of when you started doing it yourself, and just kind of like roll from it from there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So welding, like my first introduction into welding, I guess if we go all the way back would have been like, I pulled the trigger on a MIG gun one time when I was like a freshman in high school. And that was like it. That was my only exposure. After that, um, it was like, I want to say junior year or something like that. And my dad had brought home this like classic lincoln buzz box 225 ac stick welder he's like yo look what i just bought on craigslist and it came with all these rods he had no clue what everything was it ended up being like 332 6010 and i mean we could every rod you burned always just just got super hot and burned back and i mean i was in the garage just practicing and practicing and i'm like man these sparks suck and 
I'm like gluing stuff together, just, just farting around in the garage the whole time. And, uh, that's kind of like what was my introduction more or less to it. Um, and then obviously from there, I had uh, a really good actual uh, welding program in our high school. It wasn't like a separate vocational school. And for the district I was in, in Washington state, it was like one of two programs in like multiple districts within like uh, the, the Washington side of the Portland Metro area, because I lived in Washington state um, in like around Portland, Oregon. So real Southwest Washington. And like that area had like two welding programs that were like still running. And I had a buddy there who was like, Oh, you know, you got to check out welding tips and tricks. So, I mean, circa 2015, we have little (laughs) Daniel just watching video after video, after video, after video of 7018 and 6010 and this and that and how to make your stick welds better and blah, blah. And I'm over here, Oh, I'm going to try to weave. And I'm like, I mean, any piece of scrap metal I could find, I was running stringers and pad beads and just all sorts of garbage just to, just to do it. I, I loved it. First, I remember the first time I saw a piece of slag peel up, I was like, Oh, I had to grab a picture. And I, I thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing. And all my buddies and like parents were like, okay, like what's the big deal. <laughs> What is that? (laughs) Right. That was kind of like my introduction to it. And my mom was never super fond of blue collar work. She never really pushed me towards that kind of stuff. But I always enjoyed working with my hands and blue collar work was just my thing. It's just kind of what I enjoyed. My dad was a truck driver and still is. And my mom was always trying to push me, you know, have a job where you're home every day and you can do this and you can do that. And, you know, it's not dangerous, blah, blah, blah. She kept trying to push me into dental, into nursing, be a doctor. And I'm like, mom, I suck in school. Like, it's, it's terrible. Like, there's no way. And she just, she was persistent, but I was like, no. And I was actually in a program. It was like a, a vocational school for diesel technology. So I was like going to get like, basically to be a diesel technician and work on like semi trucks and heavy duty diesel equipment. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And, you know, me being young and dumb, I was just like, yeah. And I didn't realize I'm like, oh man, you have to work on greasy, old, broken, blah, 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 blah. Finished my two years of vocational training, walked away with a couple junior ASC certifications, and you know, thought, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And I ended up getting uh, like a a job at a mom and pop automotive shop straight out of high school. I mean, like I graduated on a Wednesday, Thursday morning. I was, I was there, I was working and I was just a lube tech, just changing oil, all this and that. And basically worked through the whole summer and realized, man, this sucks. And this is not quite what I wanted to be doing. And I remember it was really cool because he used to work primarily on only old air-cooled Volkswagens. So he'd have like performance, like really built, like old, you know, carbureted cars come in with like custom headers and all this other stuff. And I I would remember seeing that and like thinking just, wow, that's so cool. And, you know, having buddies showing me like, you know, the Instagram page weld porn. And I'm always like seeing all this stuff. I'm like, this is so cool. (laughs) That's what I want to be doing. And uh, I think part of that was just me being a restless young kid. But the other part of it was, you know, that was genuinely a passion of mine and something I I, I thoroughly enjoyed and enjoyed the thought of. But basically worked there three and a half months throughout the summer. And I was like, yeah, screw this. This sucks. You know, this is not something I want to be doing. 
for the rest of my life. I remember part of it was just being grossly underpaid. Like I came in there. I remember the exact amount of money I, I started and left making. I started out making nine sixty seven an hour in 2016. And I left by the end of the summer making eleven sixty seven. He gave me a $2 raise when I told him I wanted to quit because he had me changing clutches and dropping fuel tanks and putting fuel pumps in, had gaskets and, and other things. And just, I was like, dude, I don't, I don't think this is worth it for like less than 10 bucks an hour. And I was just like, <laughs> I was brought on to do, you know, oil changes and brake jobs. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. But, you know, this is fine. You know, moving cool cars around and blah, blah, blah. And I quickly realized, you know, the guy's like, oh, you know, there's not a brick inside this kid's head. He knows what he's doing. Let's have him do some more, have him do some more. And, you know, a lot of it was like, hey, break down the cardboard and sweep up the shop and that kind of stuff too. But I was like, I mean, there was times where I was turning around, like, you know, I had to drop a subframe to change an oil pan gasket and this and that. I'm like, dude, if I have to do another one of these and sure enough, another one rolled through the shop. I was like, no, I'm not doing another one. I, I'm quitting. Like, I'm out of here. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll pitch you a few more bucks if you stick around. And I'm like, well, I don't know what that means, but let's give it a shot. And, Next pay stub, I see I got a $2 raise. And I was like, not exactly stoked, but I was like, well, we'll stick with it a little longer. Yeah. I ended up giving him the excuse that I wanted to go back to school, go to college or something once September rolled around. And he's like, oh, that's fine. All right. Sounds good. And that was actually when I got my first job in a, in a race car shop, actually. So I, we had a, a shop local to us that they built rally cars and race cars, but their bread and butter was building and selling Subaru exhausts made out of stainless. And we had jigs and fixtures and everything else, uh, like any manufacturing, uh, you know, facility, you know, where we would have the, they called them fabricators, which is where I started, but it, you weren't really a fabricator. All you were doing was running a saw. You would have a, a build and it would require, you know, this many pieces of, you know, they'd call them reducers or mustache pipes or whatever. They had all these names made up for each specific part, and, you know, just typical to a production setting. And that's where I learned, you know, really learned how to read a tape and really learned how to make sure, you know, keep an eye on deflection when running a saw. And, you know, just like all the little things that go into like deburring parts and, you know, the tedious sure. stuff that you have to do regardless of who you are. Um, but like that was just our job and I was like barely making over a minimum wage, but I was like, I'm in a super cool setting. I've got a lot of people around me with a ton of knowledge. So I stuck with it, but basically I was working in this fab shop area for like six months and I was like, mm, I don't want to keep doing this. Like, I know I'm capable of more. I want to learn how to TIG weld. Like all the guys over there TIG welding are like, that's what I want to be doing. You know, we were making full stainless steel exhaust and I was like, that's what's sick. Part of it was also we had to build the mufflers in-house and we would take like this ceramic fiber padding material and you'd have to wrap it up around like this corrugated tubing and you'd stuff it in a casing. And I mean, by the end of the day, you were just absolutely covered in the itchiest substance known yeah. to man. And I was like, yeah, after like a, a week of doing that straight, I was like, oh, I need to, I need to like move up. Like I can't stick around here anymore. And it was cool. It was motivating. Um, the the shop manager, as far as like the weld manager, he was super cool about 
you know, staying after a couple of days every here and there and giving me pointers and tips and this and that. And I remember one of my buddies, actually the guy who was the one who introduced me into like welding tips and tricks, he was like working in some like some construction laborers union or another and ended up getting laid off. And I was telling him like, oh yeah, I'm getting ready to like move over to the welding position. You know, they're looking for a guy and I was stoked. Like I, I was, you know, I, I put my confidence in this guy. I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell this guy what's going on. And, you know, he's going to, he's going to be excited for me too. Next thing I know, I see him there taking a weld test and they give him the job. Uh, I felt so betrayed, so betrayed. I was like, dude, are you for real? Like I was like, I was going to do that. You know, that was going to be me. And, you know, it was discouraging, but it ended up being that, you know, he was your typical construction, like wannabe pipe fitter, wannabe pipe welder. And granted, that's what he is now, but he was like super prideful, very hard to work with, um, you know, very arrogant a lot of times. And he's come a long way. Like I still chat with him all the time and, you know, I'll give him a shout out, Cody, if you ever, if this ever makes it anywhere and you hear this, you know, (laughs) I love you, buddy, but (laughs) You've come a long way. You totally did me dirty but, on that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I felt absolutely betrayed. But he uh, he ended up coming, and getting the job, and just the way he was, you know, back then, it's just they they weren't putting up with him, and he was like, he didn't really care. He's like, I know there's more money out there. I'm just, I need something to fill fill a gap, and blah 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 blah, blah whatever. And they ended up, you know giving him the can and the weld boss i remember before he actually fired him was like hey you know keep practicing because you know we're still gonna need a guy for sure it's like don't don't lose hope and that was like pretty encouraging but it you know the whole situation pushed me to be like you know what no i'm i'm gonna get this like anytime i've ever achieved anything super at least in my eyes like big in my life it's always been because i was like i'm gonna prove somebody wrong you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna make a name for myself or i'm gonna do this or whatever and and that was one of those moments and, you know, I kind of, he, he ended up just calling me over one day. Hey, we need some help welding out some of these in-house exhaust tips that we make. And like, they're formed on my side and then they're sent over and they're like fused together and welded and all this and that. And it was positioner work and I hadn't touched a positioner ever. And he's like, Hey, you know, like we got to do some work. And I had like, I'm talking, there was probably over 120 of these tips that were going to be production parts that like the whole deal is like this place is like we're we're putting finished welds like TIG welds on here that people are going to look at and like that's why they're buying this because they care about it. yeah it's underneath the car but you know they're paying extra for these in-house tips not the you know the cheaper versions that we we buy and put on like these are the highest option available and I'm like stressing I'm like oh my goodness I never used the position of this and that and I'm just like Oh, what am I going to do? And, you know, cause he told me, I think the, the day before, you know, classic Daniel YouTube university, you know, I'm like night before just positioner videos and this and that. And Jody, what do you have to tell me? <laughs> Give me a hand, help me. You know? <laughs> and you know what? It's, I tell you what, it served me well more than once. And, uh, no, it's, uh, it was one of those like baptized by fire type of deals. You know, it was just thrown into the deep end you know, you sink or swim and I wasn't willing to give up and I just kept pushing for it, kept pushing for it. And, you know, they weren't all phenomenal, but they were passable. 
if if not like if the pass the first pass round you know welding it didn't work out great i was always able to just go through and although it wasn't the preferred method i was able to kind of go over there and kind of pedal pump and you know pulse the whole weld and and, you know make it look better presentable we'll put it that way but after a couple hundred of those things i i was i was pretty good on the positioner you could say that much but that's what (laughs) was really cool is you know i I got super uncomfortable and sure enough, you know, I, I was forced to either grow or die. And, you know, I, I grew and, and that was something that I would, I wouldn't ever have been able to, you know, learn. Not, yeah. I, not that I wouldn't be able to learn it on my own, but it was a really good skill that I picked up because I was forced into it, which was awesome. And that's kind of where my welding career really took off was, you know, I was the youngest TIG welder there. I was, I was TIG welding for them, you know, at 18 years old, you know, just production parts, pushing them out. Um, all my other colleagues were like the youngest guy was like 24. And then everybody else was like in their thirties and stuff. And I'm like looking at my paycheck. And one time I, I needed like a pay stub or something for insurance. I forget what. And I accidentally got like the, one of the best guys there underneath the weld boss. And I'm, I'm looking at what he made and I'm like, homie, you've been here for four years and you're barely cracking like 20 bucks an hour. I'm like, Ooh, this is definitely not a forever job. <laughs> and it's actually great. Cause like, I'm still on good terms with, uh, with, uh, with my old boss there. And I, I was visiting home for the holidays and, you know, I went in, popped in over there and talked to them, talked business and stuff. And, you know, got a ton of really great pointers and, you know, it was, it was super awesome to be able to talk with him and, you know, our relationship never like, after leaving there, I never, never went downhill by any means. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, this is, this is definitely not a forever job. You know, it's a good place to learn. And I stuck around there a year and a half and, and we slowed down terribly. It was, I forget what the deal was, but people just weren't buying exhausts. And I want to say I left there in 2018, sometime in 2018. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to remember what had happened because I got there end, not end, but like towards the end of 2016, I think October. And then like, I was there for a year and a half. So it would have been sometime in 20, sometime in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I forget what exactly had happened, but one of the biggest issues, they, they definitely saw this and picked up on it and, and kind of revised it was they were building the same exhausts for the, like the few models of Subarus that were out there. And it's like, you can only sell so many of these until, you know, people are are not going to buy them anymore until the next one comes out. Yeah. It's just, you know, especially with like, there was competition. There were other companies making exhausts for these granted ours was one of the, the few that were made in the U S and, you know, just the designs among other things, you know, it was just, they didn't have a ton of other products they were selling, but we got super slow. And I remember I like, I was cleaning all sorts of stuff throughout the shop, like when we should have been welding. And it got to a point where I was like sweeping and mopping walls. And I was like, okay, hey, Daniel, this is probably that time, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And, and and honestly, that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth for as far as like the, the performance industry goes. You know, it, it wasn't like the most appealing thing. I was like, yeah, like, well, it, it kind of like deterred me from welding. And I actually... I, I stopped welding for, I want to say probably like a year or something. I would do side projects and stuff. I had my own equipment, 
you know, I would take little side jobs and stuff. And that was kind of always something I did, but I ended up going into plumbing, which I'm so glad I did because it taught me so many things that I otherwise would not have had the opportunity to learn and, and get the experience that I did. But I ended up doing residential plumbing. And then I did that for like eight, nine months. And then I switched to a commercial company and I started doing commercial plumbing and that was like an absolute blast. Like commercial construction is, is something I, I, I love. I love it. It's just, everything's bigger. You're dealing with like other trades and just like, it was like, it was stuff that sucked obviously, but the, the commercial plumbing was way cooler. And, and it was cool because there were times where, you know, we were doing like actual pipe fitting, like the, the residential guy I was working with, you know, was, he was kind of like a small deal um just like it was him and like a, a journeyman and then you know two apprentices so it really wasn't like a a, a big show and it was yeah. cool because you know seeing the small end of the spectrum and jumping to like the big end of the spectrum uh just everything that was like out there i was like oh my goodness there's like so much more to this than just you know cutting pipe and just seeing that it, it's too long pulling it out and you know cutting it down again and it was like he a lot of times there were no measurements. It was just like, how long is it? Okay. About that long. Sounds good. Cut the pipe. You know, it was like, it's just fast production style. And he, you know, to be fair, he had to do that to make money. Um, so, okay. you know, it, was, it wasn't like it was bad quality, but it was just, that's what it was. And ended up going into commercial construction and got my feet wet with like superintendents and general foremans and safety guys and kind of understanding how, job sites are run and where jobs start and how they end and you know just the different phases and, and different trades that you interact with and that was like really beneficial for me just throughout my career in general but you know I, I had the opportunity because we were a mechanical company we were doing ducting and we were also doing plumbing build a stainless water main for these you know to connect these booster pumps to the whole water you know system in this apartment complex you know so I was like I wasn't doing the pipe fitting, but I was doing some pipe welding. And sure enough, here goes Dan on YouTube University again, checking out how to put in stainless root on, you know, or how to how to put in root on stainless pipe, blah, 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 blah. Welding tips and tricks, Bob Moffat, like all these guys. And I'm just, you know, I'm just soaking it in. And, and it, you know, it, uh, it, it, it was funny because I, I remember the conversation. One of the office guys came down. And this was like week one of working for this company. And they're like, Hey, you know, we have this pipe that needs welded. Okay. Sounds good. How old is it needed? You know, how do you guys usually do it? Like, Oh, well, it'll, it'll only see like 200 PSI or whatever, you know? So just fuse the root and, you know, fill and cap. That was the other welder, but he was busy doing like some boiler system or something. And he's all telling me, you know, just do it like this, whatever. I'm like, okay. Sounds good. And I'm over here just figuring it out, making it happen. And one of the office guys comes down and, He's like, man, it looks like you know what you're doing. I was like, oh, you know, just watch the video. He's like, ah, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, no, seriously. No, seriously. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it looks like you know what you're doing. And like, they had no clue and they're a mechanical company, but they're primarily doing, you know, plumbing and like soldering and brazing copper you know the, the it was few and far between that that was happening and the only other guy who really knew what my welds looked like was 
the guy, the other welder there, and he's like, yeah, it looks good. You know, and even him, like, he wasn't, like, a certified welder. He didn't have any certification. Great welder, awesome fabricator. But the guy, like, you know, he had he, – he wasn't familiar with, like, what to look for as far as discontinuities and, you know, like, a, the more in-depth. Welding. You know. Yeah. Exactly. And so he was the only guy, other guy who knew, and he's like, yeah, it looks good. Let's send it. You know, sure enough, it went into service, and I never heard about it. So there was that and other things, and, you know, I learned a lot of pipe fitting. And it was the same issue to where I was I, – I got to a point after a little over, like, close to a year that I was showing up, and I was hired on as an apprentice. I was showing up. I'd pick up a van loaded with materials head out to a job site after talking to whatever foreman was supposed to be running that job, verify what needed to be done, and they'd be off running a different job. And then, you know, I was by myself. There was, I had like zero supervision, probably 75% of the time, you know, and I'm running onto job sites, you know, meeting with superintendents and talking with people and making sure that these jobs are completed. Other times, you know, I was working overtime just to make sure that, hey, you know, this job is going to make it. And I'm like stopping and thinking, and I'm like, wait a minute, like I'm not getting paid to stress as hard as I am and to work as hard as I am. Like I, I wasn't even making 20 bucks an hour at this point. I was making, I remember exactly $18 an hour. Started there in 2019 working through, working through 2020. And I'm just like, man, like there's gotta be more to this. Like, I feel like I'm taking on all this responsibility. I'm, you know, I'm working any overtime available. Come to find out my little sister was actually friends with the one of the owner's like daughters. And she ended up, I ended up coming up in like conversation one way or another. And they were like, she had said like, Oh yeah. Like Daniel has like the second most overtime in the whole company. And I'm like, what? I didn't even know this. Like nobody told me. And, you know, come to find out the only other guy who had more overtime than me was like my first journeyman and like foreman. And that was the guy I worked with. And that guy was an absolute workhorse and stallion of a, of a guy. He ended up moving into an office position and one thing led to another. But like, I, I'm just like, I was baffled. I was like, man, you know, I asked for a raise and I was like, I felt like 20 bucks an hour wasn't anything like too ridiculous at the time. Like I felt like I was offering value and not just value. Like, you know, I was, I was producing for the company and right. you know, like I enjoyed working with the people I was working with. And you know, I was just like, man, like, I kind of baffled. I was like, I, I guess I just need to get, you know, work harder or whatever. So I, I, you know, just kept putting my nose to the grindstone and trying to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? When you asked for the raise, did they give you the raise? So my review came about three months in, you know, 90 day review, pretty standard. And I asked for a raise because they were like, Hey, so what, uh, you know, do you feel like you're being properly compensated? You know, like, you know, how to, you know, how's everything going, this and that. And we kind of, it was just like a super chill, just conversation with one of the owners, like nothing, um, nothing crazy. And, you know, he's like, I'm like, you know, honestly, like I, I, I think I, I offer a lot of value and I, I would like a raise. You know, I'm thinking maybe 20 bucks an hour. I started out at 17 and he's like, yeah, let me, let me talk to a couple of the other guys, see who you've worked with and, and kind of get an idea of how everything's going and, you know, I'm like, okay, sounds good. And um, there was like one instance, I was doing some brazing on some like thin wall copper, 
it was line set for uh, like the HVAC guys. And I had never braised copper, let alone copper that thin before. I was working up on like a 12 or 16 foot ladder inside of a ceiling right up next to a wall behind like this unit that like collected all these different line sets and like sent it up somewhere up on the, on the rooftop. And I forget exactly what it was, but like I had missed a couple joints and like when they went to pressure test it, you know, a few of the joints were completely like not braised at all. And it wasn't a big deal. We went back and we fixed them. Um, I think somebody else ended up going and doing them, but when I guess when when I came up in conversation, somebody's like, "Oh, you know, like it, I, I guess the boss was asking, like, oh, is there anything you can improve on, or like anything where he's like lacking or something?" And, and those leaks ended up coming up, and I'm just like, "Dude, like that was I feel like an unfair assessment, you yeah. know." And and that's I guess what he used as ammunition to be like, "I think we're gonna keep you where you're at," and I'm just like, "Oh, sick, all right." I'm like whatever well i kind of took it as a humbling moment and i'm like i guess i i should have paid better attention and one thing or another but i'm not kidding man there was probably like 30 quarter inch copper lines coming into this thing and i'm supposed I'm, I'm up there with like a straight acetylene torch like it's like an acetylene turbo torch and like it's just like extremely hot like i have i'm trying to make sure i know what i'm doing and i i'm like assuming I, i'm doing it right you know, like, again, it was one of those instances where I was kind of sent off on my own without any supervision and you just made it work or anybody to verify. And it was just kind of, I was just like, I'm just going to figure it out. I'm just going to make it work, you know? Yeah. But it was like that, that's what he chose. So it ended up after like the six month mark, I got a dollar raise just automatically. Mind you, I got my three month review a month late. And then he got back to me a month later at like five months to tell me, I think we're going to keep you where you're at. And then come another month, you know, six months later, I get a dollar raise. And I'm just like, well, that's kind of a slap in the face, but whatever. But it ended up being that I was running around. I was even, I had my own pickup truck and my own engine drive welder and all this other stuff that I had accumulated over time. Um, just because I found good deals on them. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make a rig truck, blah, 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 blah. One thing comes to another and, um, you know, I'm like welding up structural supports and frames for like air handlers um, in like ski resorts and then doing ducting, like uh, grease ducting for restaurants that we're, we were like part of like new construction and like doing like all sorts of like stainless uh, commercial washer ducting. and I mean, all sorts of stuff. I was fabricating stuff in the, in the like duct fab shop. And taking it out on site, installing it, figuring out like, oh, this doesn't work. We need to fabricate something to make it work on site and like coming up with solutions. And like, I mean, it was a ton of critical thinking, a ton of, you know, you know, just had to be on my toes the whole time and, and just doing what needed to be done to make sure that the job was, you know, inspected and, and everything passed and all things. I mean, shoot, if you go back far enough, I think on my Instagram or something else, I think you can see like some of the things that I was working on. And I mean, I had like minimal clearance installing some of this grease duct. I'm talking like there was six inches between a seam that needed to be welded and the wall that I was working on. And it was like a 12 inch tall by 24 inch wide duct. And like, I was like, there was, it was like right up in like, like next to the ceiling and the wall. And I mean, I was using mirrors. I ended up pulling the sensor out of my welding hood 
taping it to my welding cap. I mean, I was going above and beyond <laughs> to make sure that this thing was absolutely sealed and up to code, all this other stuff. And I, I was just like, okay, yeah, I guess uh, just keep working hard. You know, it's it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. You know, I'm going to be rewarded by somebody, you know, and, and it did not end up coming. And I think yeah. my last week on the job, I remember because I, I ended up making the decision to go to welding school. I was like, screw it. Like, apparently this isn't paying off. I'm going to go to welding school and I'm going to figure out what I have to do to, to actually make money welding because what I'm doing right now, I'm, you know, I've, I'm yeah. like learning all this stuff. And, and it's just like, it seemed like I'm adding value to myself. And I was, I was content with that, but I was like, man, like at some point, like I, my pay needs to grow too. Mind you, we, I was living in the Portland, Oregon area, which is like the West coast is not cheap. Like, not yeah. comparable to the Midwest where I live now or like the East coast or other areas like that. Like I think in, in 2000 and like 20, I think the minimum, like you needed to survive as a single individual, like your income needed to be like $80,000 a year, just, just to be like surviving, paying your rent, getting everything taken care of. Like, yeah, just, just to cover everything. I was still living with my parents at this time. So for me, it wasn't like a big deal, but it was like, I, I was hardly able to save. I was bringing in like a little over two grand a month. I mean, it wasn't like phenomenal wages by any means. And I'm just like, okay, like that was like the, the deciding factor. Like I'm going to get like certifications. I'm going to get, you know, all my whatever. Like I'm going to get the skills necessary to make big boy money because sure. I like welding. I want to stick with it, but like it's not feasible at this, at you this rate. Like there's one thing about chasing the experience not chasing the money, but there's another thing about chasing the experience, not chasing the money and still being able to pay your bills, you know? Right. Right. And I was just like, dude, like this, this is terrible. This is taking away like all my love and passion for it. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go to a school. And it ended up working out that. Have you heard of uh, American welding Academy? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Dabs Wellington, Sean Flotman, Floatman. Yeah, so he works at American Welding Academy. And prior to him working there, he posted something about it on his Instagram. And that's how I found out about it. Coincidentally enough, crazy story, but um, I had no idea where he lived or where he worked or any of that stuff. And he's like, crazy, brand new welding school opening up in my backyard and like made a post about it. And I'm like, huh, welding school, huh? I'm like, wait a minute, where's your backyard? And like I click on his Instagram or one thing or another, and it says Washington, Missouri. And then I click on like the school and it says Union, Missouri. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like anything crazy. But for me, like my dad grew up in Union, Missouri. So my grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, like his whole family and not his whole family, but like a lot of his brothers and sisters still live there. And like I had tons of family. I used to visit all the time when I was like a kid. We'd come like every summer. It was like, we're going to Missouri. We're going to Union. You know, that's that's where everything was. And I'm like, no way. Like, this is insane. Like, there's a welding school in, in my dad's hometown where my grandparents live. I'm like, you know what? This might actually be feasible. And, um, and sure enough, sure enough, I went, I toured the school. And I was like, okay, yeah, like, this is this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. And I remember telling my dad, Hey dad, I put a deposit on a spot. Like I'm going to welding school. I gave, I gave him the call while I was in Missouri. And he's like, I mean, Daniel, that's, that's a big decision. Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And this and that. And he's all, 
you know, he was kind of uncertain. I remember his, I remember the exact conversation we had. He stopped himself mid sentence and he said, you know what, Daniel, if you think this is what's best for you and your family, do it. I'm, I, I support you a hundred percent. I mean, mind you, I'm a, I'm a you know, single guy, but like, you know, looking forward, like to do a career into something that, you know, that, that was like his, his kind of mindset in that. If you think this is what's best for you and your family, I'm absolutely supportive of it. And then he added the caveat, but understand that I can't pay for this. Um, <laughs> I have, I'm the second oldest of eight kids. And he's like, look, Daniel, I, I got my own mortgage. I got my own bills to pay. I got all these other things I got to take care of and other kids, you know, I got to make sure, you know, I'm taking care of and feeding and, you know, like I have a job to do. Um, and unfortunately, if this is something you want, like that's not in my budget to pay for your school. Yeah. Uh, like I said before, you know, my dad's a truck driver and my mom's a stay at home mom. Cause obviously, you know, eight kids is a little hectic and that's yeah, a full-time right. job in and of itself. And, uh, no, it's just, uh, it was it was all the more motivation and ammunition just to just to work harder and do whatever it took. I remember those few months that was like in May and welding school started in August and I reserved my spot and I'm like I got to come up with like 16 grand and I think I had like $3000 saved up. And I'm like doing the math and I'm just like I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to happen. Like there's no way and I'm just like thinking to myself I'm like I make $2000 a month like give or take. Plus I got my own bills. Like I was, you know, still paying for my own insurance, my own fuel, all my phone bill. I mean, all this stuff. And it was, none of it was, none of it was paid for by my parents. I didn't have to pay rent. That was the one thing. Luckily I had my welding truck. I had another car and I had like this, uh, this forerunner and a couple other like things. And I mean, I was selling anything and everything that belonged to me. I was just getting rid of it all, just just getting rid of anything and everything. And my parents thought the house was next. Like, they were like – I mean, I was selling everything, kayak, whatever, anything, uh, just getting rid of it all, taking side job after side job after side job, any overtime available. I was working overtime. Like, and, and honestly, it was an absolute blessing, and, and I can't take credit for it, but the the company that I was working at actually ended up putting me on prevailing wage jobs. And if you know anything about prevailing wage jobs, yeah. as a non-union contractor, we're, they were required to pay their employees whatever union scale was because it was primarily yeah. union. But obviously that kind of stuff was worked into the bid. So for them, it wasn't like they were losing money. So, you know, they worked it into the bid. And by Literally by the grace of God, I got put into some onto some jobs where I kid you not, I was going from making, you know, $17 an hour to no exaggeration. Like I can pull up pay stubs, $77 an hour <laughs> because it worked out in my favor to where I never got into the apprenticeship program that year. And I was just working as a plumbing apprentice, but they couldn't pay me as an apprentice because I would have been given a scale. I would have maybe been making, you know, 25 or 30 bucks an hour or whatever compared to, you know, the, the, whatever the journeyman pay scale was, I would have gotten a fraction of it, but they weren't able to pay me that because I didn't have an apprentice card. So they were paying me full journeyman scale because I was on that job site to be like a quote unquote journeyman insulator or some, you know, just some BS job that we, I wasn't actually doing, but that was just like 
the only way that they could have me category. Paid. Yeah. So, and it, that's what I fell under. And I was like, man, this is an absolute <laughs> blessing. And it, that plus overtime, plus one thing, plus another, plus selling everything. And not only that, like I was working crazy hours, coming home, selling things or doing a side job. I mean, nonstop, like, my bed was my hotel room. Like I, I checked in, I checked out and I was gone. Like the majority of the time I was never home unless I was selling something or doing a project out of my you know, parents' garage. And, you know, one, one thing led to another. And my dad's like, I, I ended up telling him, I'm like, you know, I don't, I still don't have everything. I think I'm going to borrow the rest from, you know, my, this you know, aunt or uncle or something. And, um, he was like, no, you don't, don't go doing that. Like I'll, I, I, I can give you this. Like I, I ended up, I think saving up, like it was like $13,000 or something like that. And for me, that was like a feat. Like that was it's like, three months, huge. Yeah. yeah, I mean, let alone doing all my, uh, you know, paying my other bills and taking care of other things. Like that was, that was like big for me and huge victory and just, got that money. He's like, okay, all right. You know, the rest, I'll, I'll, I'll get the rest to you. You know, you pay me back whenever you're able to. And again, huge blessing. And he's like, I, I saw how hard you've been working and you know, you, you might not have made it all the way, but it, it was admir- admirable nonetheless. And, you know, he helped me get through welding school and ended up packing up my truck with all my belongings on it. And I mean, everything that I wasn't willing to sell, like my engine drive welder, and like my 300 cubic foot bottle of gas and, you know, like all this, these other tools that I was just like, no, I'm not, I'm not selling them. I'm taking them with me. Yeah, uh, you know, that. my, my ACDC TIG welder. I was like, no, I can't, you know, can't get rid of that. Uh, all this other stuff. And, you know, just packed everything up and, you know, made the 2000 mile trek out to Union, Missouri, all by my lonesome. And, you know, took my time and just drove out there just, living it up, taking it in while I was out there and basically moved in my grandparents and lived there and worked there. And I, I still remember our orientation picture at the, at the welding school was me. I showed up in like shorts, some like tube socks and like some Birkenstocks or something. And everybody's <laughs> just looking at me like, what on earth? <laughs> who, who is this guy? And I mean, I'm in, I'm in a class, I was 22 at the time. I'm in a class with like, you know, primarily 18 year olds. I was the oldest guy in that class. And we kind of just went around town, you know, saying some stuff about us. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just here to learn and learn the basics and, and, you know, just relearn everything I I know about welding and, and, you know, just, just go full out and, and just get, get my career going. And, um, you know, everybody's probably like, I actually remember one of, one of the guys that I actually still keep up with Kenan, Kenan Watts. He was like, he told me by the end of it, he's like, you know, Daniel, I never thought you were going to make it. Honestly, first day I saw you, I, I was like, there's, there's no way like you're, you're going to drop out or something. Uh, and I actually still have the picture. Uh, the picture was on the, it's like in, in the school of like all the starting, you know, the classes on their starting day. And there's me. And not only was I wearing what I was wearing, I was like in the front squatting down. Like, we'll we'll have to get the picture to you. You'll see it one way or another. But <laughs> I'm just squatting. I mean, just looked absolutely goofy. 
and come to find out, you know, one thing leads to another. I busted my butt in there. You know, I, I did everything I could, you know, and, and I learned a lot and I grew a lot. And I was actually the, the first one to graduate out of my entire class with all my certifications. You know, I had my structural certifications. I had my 6010, 6-inch pipe certification. I had all my combo stuff, my 2-inch and my stainless 2-inch pipe welding certifications. I mean, I had it. everything that, that I paid for, like I got. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. Check back next week for episode number two with Dan from Dan's Welding Fab. You can find out what he does on Instagram at Dan's underscore welding underscore and underscore fab. Boy, that's a mouthful. You can find the podcast at Welding Business Owners Podcast. You can find me at JMW Fabrication. And until next time, get out there, get it done, and get it in with.